Yes, sir, man. You already know what time it is. This is the DSA Podcast. We are the Dirty South Affiliates. I'm your boy, Shaw, and as always, I got my partner, your favorite country cousin, L. Boogie. With yes, Lord. What's happening, good people? Co-hosting as usual, my man, Jay Beasy. What's happening, man? It's Beasy, man. Y'all already know. And on today's episode, man, we got a studio session interview with a special guest. Uh, really, he, he don't need no introduction, but we gonna give him a little bit. Not just an artist, an artist, a producer, songwriter, filmmaker. Oh yeah, filmmaker. Just an all-around solid, just this solid ass talent. We did this, this marquee talent. We bringing in today, Strong though, right, daddy? <laughs> Big talent from a small city. Hello. Yeah, so if you don't know, we talking about the one and only homeboy. What happened, man? What's good, my bro? Yeah, we got him in here today. We gonna talk. Uh, we got a lot. I got a lot to talk. Man. Well, I got a lot of questions. Man. We gonna talk music career. We gonna talk this documentary. Man, I'm gonna make that. We gonna talk about all that, man. Yeah. Before we get going, let me give our normal shout out to all people on Instagram. On, uh, all social media platforms for rocking with us. Just know Appreciate we y'all, are mainly a podcast, so you can find us on all major streaming platforms. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Odyssey. Man, show them people some love, man, worldwide. I told y'all we were worldwide. International show. Nah, don't you think, don't you think them niggas got bigger problems going on right now? That's, that's in one area. Nigga, they listen to us in Ukraine. They fight them fucking war. They ain't worried about yeah, that. DSA But anyway. Listening to us Anyway, we 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 gotta give a shot, y'all. Check us out on our major stream platform. Hit the subscription button. You'll get notified every time a new episode. Shit ain't about us today Nah, we got we gotta get into the interview homeboy, man. Uh, appreciate you doing the podcast, first of all. Yes, sir. We appreciate it. Uh, let's jump into to the beginning, man, of your career. Like I straight up, I watched the documentary. Because it, it rare you see, I was, I put that in the tape. Yeah, I said it rare you see somebody you know. Yeah. Got an Amazon documentary. Of, you know what I'm saying? So it, I was interested to dive into it, but I want to talk about your career in the music industry. Okay. That stuck out to me more than, not more than anything, but that was clicked with me when I started documentary. So I want to start from the beginning. What was the beginning of Homeboy's musical career? What made you say, hey, what was the moment you was like, hey, music, I, I gotta be part of it. I wanna rap. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> well, I got an older brother. A lot of folks don't know. My, my, brother, my older brother is eight years older than me. So back when, like, LL was in his prime, and you know you had Cool Modi, uh, Houdini, like back when hip hop was really blossoming. My my older brother had a local rap group that he was in with one of my cousins, and like a group of his friends, and he would always come, you know, home and be like, "Hey man, freestyle." I ain't, I ain't really know freestyle. So <laughs> he puts you on the spot. Yes, yes. He, he, he used to whoop my ass because I was young and and didn't know how how to freestyle because you know again you know you talking somebody eight years old with really no any uh, <laughs> vocabulary right like the vocabulary is just not there so you know 
So then, man, it was like, when he went off to the military, that was something that stuck with me. Almost like, you know, um, competition. So it was like, okay, when he come back, I'm gonna be ready for him. And so, you know, by the time he came back, um, I had met up with my partner, uh, Derek Cleveland and his brother, Eric Cleveland. We had the group NCT, um, along with Bernard Banks. So all of us was in a group together. And, you know, they gonna interrupt you. We is definitely gonna get into the meaning of that. NCT. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I almost said it. I almost said it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. So, so yeah, bro. So like that. That's that's where it started. So for me, it wasn't like I want to get into rap because it was something that I could be famous doing or something I could make a million dollars. Cause I, you know, back then, hell, I don't even think none of those cats were making no millions of dollars, you know, doing it. So it was just, <clears throat> I always have had a love for music, but it was my brother picking at me and, you know, kind of kind of giving me that fuel. Feel like I'm gonna be ready for his ass when he come back from the military. And when he came back, I was ready for his ass. You know what I'm saying? So, so in a nutshell, that's pretty much what it was. Yeah. I, I relate to that. Like, when you say, like, you ain't had no choice but to be into yeah. whatever they were into. You yep. know what I'm saying? Break dancing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. whatever they into, yeah, I'm with that because I ain't got no control over this shit. No way. But I did that. Yeah. So, going from from the time that the brother went to, went to the military, my time he came home, they get to when you first made a song that you made it to. Was it was it with the group? Yeah. Um, first time you heard yourself on the radio. Yeah, first time I heard myself on the radio wasn't actually with NCT. So um, Eric Cleveland, who is married to Charmaine Cleveland, um, if y'all follow them on on, on, on Facebook, they've been together since high school. Right, so Eric left the group, and it was just me, D, and Nard. And so we felt like if it could be the group no more, what we gonna do? You know what I'm saying? Like, cause he was the oldest one, he was the one who was driving us to the studio. You know what I'm saying? He was the whippersnapper. You know what I'm saying? So it ended up um, Jackson uh, radio station, DJ Wonderful Ray. He had a uh, session on Wednesday night called the Rap Battle. All right, so it was me. Uh, uh, so we had a group called the Grip Time Mafia. So it was it was me, uh, Spencer Bennett, uh, Bernard Banks, Derek Cleveland. Uh, uh, man. Uh, dude, it, it was about six of us, right? Right. So we were going out to Mike Penn and we record. My stepmom at the time was working. She from Jackson. She was working in Jackson and knew where the radio station was. So when we would record our stuff, I asked her like, "Can you get this to the radio station for me?" So she did. So the first time I heard myself on the radio was when we was in middle school. Wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Wow. So I was I was in middle school. Not, not many people can say that. Yeah. <laughs> when I first heard myself on the and, 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 the, and the thing that was so crucial about it was we would go up against 16 Posse, which was a click out of Jackson. Poet 411, which was out of Thomas. You know the ones I remember. We would kill their ass every time to the point that when we dropped some. They had to retire us 
Because we were going in so hard. So at that time, I wasn't producing it with Mike Penn producing all of the tracks that we had then. But what made me start producing was when we started doing old talent showcases, like Poetic 411 would come up and they would record with Mike Penn too. And we, when we did them talent showcases at the National Guard Armor in Griffin, like that you would have uh, Kids of Rock come down, you would have the City Boy come down, and we would perform during that time too. So when we get on stage and we got on first and we had a beat and them niggas had the same beat, it was some beef. You know what I'm saying? Not understanding the bending part of it. You know, because we thought we owned that goddamn track. You know what I'm saying? We been there. <laughs> so that's when I was like, man, you know what? You know, and rest in rest in Pete Mike Penn, but I was just like, he's not giving me really what I want anyway. I know what I really want, but this just what I this this all I have available yeah. to me. So I started asking him. I'm like, bro, I, I want to get my own keyboard. And he was like, I said, do I need to get a chord like what you got? He was like, right, just depends on if you like the sounds out of it. I just say just go up to Guitar Center. So Mike Penn actually took me to the Guitar Center first time I ever went to the to the Guitar Center. And he was like, man, just play around with the keyboards and see what sounds you like. He like, yeah. you ain't got to get the same thing I got. So, um, Jermaine, your wife, uncle, Derek, he had a core himself. But I always used to, because I, I had a lot of respect for Derek back then, too, still do. And uh, he was just like, man, I wish I had a rolling. I wish I had a rolling. So I was just like, man, if Derek wants that rolling, <laughs> shit, I got to go get that goddamn rolling. You feel what I'm saying? So, ended up, man, I was working at, uh, I believe I was working... At, you know what? I was working for Stan. Stanley Act. I was working for Stan Fashion. And my daddy told me, yeah. Uh, I, me, me and Latran Dewberry used to be airbrushing it on, on the clothes. Okay, and stuff. Yeah, so Latran yeah. so would do it and I would do something, right? So so Stan would pay us. He would give us some clothes and shit sometimes. So and I took that money and saved it up. And I told my dad, I was like, hey, man, I want to get me a keyboard, but it's going to call by. $3,000. My dad was like, what? Yeah, you know. So he was like, all right, I tell you what, you save up half the money, and I go up there with you, we go get it. So, man, yeah. Bro, so I saved up my bread, and, you know, uh, we had to finance it, and I got pissed off because once I got it home, I didn't know how to do shit on it. And trying to read the, the manual, it was almost like trying to read something in Japanese. And I was taking it to Mike Penn. Mike was like, shit, man, I don't, I don't know how to sequence this one either. I let Derek keep it. Derek kept it for about two months. <laughs> and then I got it back from him. I said, so you gonna show me? He said, I never figured it out. I'm like, fuck, man. <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? So I'm like, damn, don't have my shit for two months. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, man, I told my dad. I said, Dad, I said, can we just take it back? You think they'll let it take it back? <laughs> <laughs> my dad said, like three, four months, we're to take it back. My dad said, no, son, we don't find that this thing. He said, so it's our now. We got to pay this off. So, man, I locked myself in my room, and I figured out how to goddamn sequence that keyboard, man. And from then on, I, you know, I've been producing, man. So I started producing at probably around 11, 12 years old. Hey, real quick, man. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been knowing you forever. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah, man, shout out to you. Know, oh, oh, 
Well, for them, man, we, we wouldn't have this talent that, that singer today. And from what I know of him, like, you know, Pop was the one that, that you know, he invested in him like his son will do, you know. And so, big shout out to him. If every parent did it for their child, man, you know what I'm saying? Imagine how, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Lives would go like that. Our parents were like that, you know what I'm saying? But shit, when I did the music, shit, my my parents found where I was writing out the verses and shit. And I was writing out the custom words and everything. And she put the shit on on her jury box. And I went in in her room. I seen the fucking papers on the jury box. She ain't said shit to me. She set it up there because she knew I was going to go in there one day. I see the shit sitting on the jury box. She was like, you ready to have that conversation? I'm like, so, so, shout out to your pops, man, for believing in you. That dope, though. So you, the first time you heard yourself on radio was in middle school. Yeah, I was in middle That's school. That's an ego boost walking in the door of school. Yeah. No, it, But man. did it, did it, it kind of, it didn't no. fuck with you at all? You, you didn't see it that way, like. No, no, because like, see, I've always, I, I've been an outcast. Gotcha. Explain that a little bit. All through school. Gotcha. So like, with me, man, I wasn't into what everybody else was into. Mm, gotcha. So it wasn't no thing where it was like, either I was heavy at the time, motherfucker pick at the heavy folk when they heavy in middle school, um, not having money, having to wear Lee jeans instead of Levi. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um. You know, so so like wearing McGrevels instead of Nikes, you know, wearing the Voights instead of, you know, the, what was in at the time. So it was like I was just an outcast. And then the, the thing, the other thing about me was like I just went into what everybody else was like. Everybody felt like they had to follow this trend. But I was just like, nah, nah. So I'd hang out with the white boy, go hunting, go fishing. Nigga, like, what you hanging out there for? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But what it was, man, I was getting exposed to yeah, shit that yeah, we didn't yeah, get to see. Exactly. But then, you know, of course, we don't understand that when we don't see it. It's just, you just seem like you're different. You know what I'm saying? The way I talk was different. You know, the way I move was different. So I was just like a, I was a, I was an outcast. Like, they knew I could draw. And then once they started knowing I could do music, like the girl would come holler at me, try to goddamn use me. Hey, science project time up. <laughs> oh, dang, will you, will you, will you draw my sign? So it was that kind of shit. You know what I'm saying? And then like once me and Latrans met each other and he could draw, I actually still think he could draw better than me then. Like I've always been one of those people that gave people their props. Like I felt like, oh yeah, I was good at it, but damn bro, you actually better than me. You know what I'm saying? Can I learn from you? So I've always been that kind of person. But how we are as a people is, we want to pick people against each other. So when Latran would do shit on the clothes, I would do shit on the clothes. They'd try to pit pit us against each other to the point to where it started to cause a rift between me and him. And I was like, bro, well, I'm learning from you. You learning from me? Shit. We could, I've always had that us mentality where I was like, bro, we can put this shit together. We can take. We can take over. Not I. Not you. I'm like, man. We. Right. But one thing I say about you, man, you have always been separate. Yeah, you know, I like yeah. you put others before you put yourself, and like even from a resource to te- to information, all of that you always willing to give and help. And there's so many that you done help that doing the same, you know, music and all of that that you done help come up through the ranks. And shit. Yeah. So big, big shout out to you on that. I feel like that's what the outcast 
type people do it anyway. Oh yeah, definitely. Because, man, if you really think about it, the ones who are considered the outcasts, not with the in crowd, we usually be the ones becoming more successful, more helpful, more selfless. But but you all that means you always have been there. Yeah. It's just that the other people didn't even see that didn't to see even it. understand it until they saw something that it is that, that you do that exactly. they relate yeah. and resonate yeah. with. And it's like, oh, I always shit. consider yeah. myself a nerd. I just hang out with yeah, cool you know, people. Damn nerd. Yeah. That's all. I just hang out with cool people. I like sitting around watching Marvel cartoons and movies yeah. and <laughs> get me Dungeons and Dragons. Wow. And shit. You, you know what I'm saying? No I'm a nerd. I was trying to give you a comment. You so you one of the coolest. <laughs> you a cool. He ain't no nerd. He was, he was one of the coolest motherfuckers I ever met with young. Bro, the <laughs> nerds is in the cool people. This, this beard and mustache and all that shit. He had this shit when we were young. Nerds don't have that. The nerds are the cool people. Jocks on the ass. Oh, I, 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 I told you three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Nerds are yeah. cool. That's a, but nerd? Yeah, I, I ain't never seen nerd. Thank you, bro. I love you too. But anyway, <laughs> we we have moved through your career to a point. This did point I want to get to because I did part I would like to deal struggle when we got to this part. Yeah. Red clay wool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Let's get to how did y'all start that <clears throat> and what happened? Because I, and I asked that coming from a fan because I was hanging around. I was hanging around Samuel and Tim. We all grew up together. You know, we played in the sandbox together. Me and Samuel, we yeah. Did. So I was always around when y'all were doing that stuff. I'd pop in with Samuel and be with him. He's like, yeah, we can't go do your music. Why they cool? I'm fuck with you when you get done. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was out, but I want to know how did y'all get started with that and what happened with it? Yeah, so uh, Victor Walker. Um, how I met Vic was through my partner Derek Cleveland. His his old his you know he's got three older brothers. So his next to the oldest brother Kevin um, Cleveland, him and Vic were best friends. And so when we uh, was do, even while we were doing NCT, Vic had heard of me, you know, through just Derek them, you know. So like we didn't really know each other, know each other. So one day D called me. He was just like, "Hey man." Vic and one of his partners want to put a uh, a compilation album out on some people from Griffin. But he was asking me if I knew who all the rapper was, but I know you know a lot of folks. So he want us to get up as many people as we can that we know and let meet them at the um, at the library, the Griffin library on X day. Right. So I was like, all right, cool. So I had been knowing Breaking B because um, my uncle Carl married Lukeman, uh sister. And Breaking B and Lukeman were real cool when they stayed off on the back road. And so, um, it was, it, and I knew Tim because me and Tim had a class together in school. So that, Tim brought Samuel in. Somehow or another, I don't remember who actually brought in uh, uh, Poppy and Nasty. Because they were the New York guys. Yeah, I feel they came but, from but through 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 some other though other thing and see my cousin Slim Isaac, that was my first cousin. So so we all met at the um at the Griffin Library at Fletcher Bats and Vic wanted to put together a compilation and we were supposed to call the compilation. Actually, who came up with the name was me and D. I came up with Red Clay. No, he came up with Red Clay. 
And at first they wanted to be like no limit and say soldiers. But I was like, no, nah, dog, soldiers are made, warriors are born. So I was like, let's not be the red clay soldiers. Let's be the red clay warriors. Cause you built like that. We were born like that. We weren't we weren't trained to be like that. No. Nigga, we been like this out the dirt. No, you know? no slide at no limit. I never nah. knew I but still, knew it came from y'all were gonna be a couple. I thought y'all yeah. was a group. No, so it was compilation. So the groups were me and Breaking B had a group called Victims to Society. Slim was a solo artist. Goddamn uh, Poppy and Nasty was uh uh Lyrical Cypher. Samuel and Tim were lyrical assassin. Oh, excuse me, uh, lyrical wicked. And they have a song called Lyrical Assassin. And then, um, I think that's all of it. Oh, uh, yeah. So that's that's all of it for that time. But what ended up happening was we were bringing in Nard from NCT. But he decided to, you know, just kind of do his own thing and, and did away with it. So D needed a part for NCT because it was Nard and D for NCT. So that's how Kiki got put in the group and we voted to put him in. So that he could be D's partner and they can keep carrying on the NCT name. So that was all of us collectively as a compilation album supposed to be Red Clay Warriors was the title of that. But once we put it out, the way that it was perceived with the general public was the group is named the Red Clay Warriors. So we were just like, you know what, shit, that what they think. We just gonna roll with it and Red Clay Warriors gonna be the posse. We be almost like a son of the Wu-Tang Clay. Technically, Red Clay Warriors like could have been a label. Yeah. I never knew it was, was the compilation. Yeah. I thought, I, I thought like the whole time. We all sides of town. Yeah. Now, for some of our listen, listeners out there, y'all probably like, I don't know none of these damn people. You have to know. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is person. Yeah, this is know you know. Yeah, know you know. You Yeah, hey, this this some Griffin shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, <laughs> but it was something that in it was like when when I heard the night red and I see my friends and shit pop up on the screen and documentary. First thing I thought of was for us, right? Yeah, we were. What year was Red Clay War? What year was that? Red Clay kicked off. I think we put our first project out in 98. But I think 95. 95, 95, 96 when we were really, you know. Because I was a freshman in high school. Yeah. So they had to be like 95, 96. And I remember that. And I was, to us, we were like, yo. Yes. These yes. niggas is about to goddamn take the ceiling off of this shit. Because yeah. it was something we hadn't, we hadn't never seen no shit like, like that. Yes, and Kiki, those were my class. So, like, yeah. when they were doing that shit, we were sitting at the lunch table. Yeah, shit, I rap too. I'm here and I'm like, God damn. Yeah. You know, and then. That's when uh, I find out about the little home. You know, before that, like, you know, everybody was like, nigga, that rap like Mr. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we even said that when we first heard the mixtape. Yeah. Like, this nigga going the fuck off. Yeah. But turned out, uh, oh, little homeboy. Homeboy. <laughs> yeah. So, what ended up happening? Um, we ended up getting what what hurt us was this. After the first project, I produced three albums. 
parade. Like, three albums? Yeah. It was three albums, probably I think 22 songs a piece each album. You produced? Yeah, 100% of everything that Red Clay was on, and I produced 90% of everything, all the hooks that Red Clay I, I wrote. Yeah, that was me. So so yeah man like what started to happen was like I I do this. Yeah. Say that shit again. I do this. This, this is this is what I do. What whatever I put my, my mind to and say this is what I do, that's that that's what the fuck I'm doing. And if if we can't move in the same direction, it's gonna be some friction with me. Yeah, just being real because I take that shit serious, man. Like time is, you know, that's all you got. Yeah, Everybody yeah. got the same amount of fucking time. Yeah, so it's yeah. like you ain't getting no more, <laughs> right? <laughs> so the group as a whole started to get popular throughout the city and surrounding yeah, cities, exactly right? Yeah. Niggas who wouldn't get no pussy started getting <laughs> pussy. Hey, <laughs> we've been down this road before. You feel me? We know what he getting ready to say, though. And, bro, you know, at the end of the day, what started to happen was people stopped coming by the house to record, stopped coming by to practice for the shows. You know what I'm saying? So I was just like, damn, I'm in here by myself. And me and my cousin Slim had the time, you know, and then, you know, Slim have always been in the video game. So he had his own group of friends that, you know, they were doing the game and shit. And I was just still like, this shit is what I do. This music shit is what I do. So everybody else got either their gaming, he was gaming, Samuel was handling what he had to handle with his family stuff Mm -hmm. going on with his brothers and stuff over there. Tim was running whole, popping nasty (laughs) room. Popping was running whole, nasty was smoking and, and, and getting high and shit. Breaking B would go back and forth to fucking jail. Kiki was trying to start a beating with my cousin Omar Ali. So niggas on, just was doing a whole bunch shit. of shit, but I was the only one that was still you know, focused on this shit. And it was like, we popular now. So it's easy for us to go get shows and shit. So when it's time to do shows, niggas come together to do the show, but we ain't practice. And then the other thing that started to happen was I've always invested in the studio time. It was either D taking niggas to the studio and investing, or I was taking niggas to the studio, picking up folks, Slim picking up folks, going to the studio. But it was only a select few of us who always had money to contribute. And so I got to a point where I was just like, look, if you don't have money to put in, you can't get on this song. And so nigga was just like, how you gonna tell us we can't get on this song? I'm like, well shit, I'm producing the beat. And I was like, shit, only Vic gonna pay for it. Vic was supposed to be our manager. So Vic was like, shit, I can't pay for other grown niggas. I'm not rapping. You know what I'm saying? So 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 that's when the friction started to happen. Where it came to head is when we got we actually had got a uh, record deal. Red Clay Warriors had a record deal. Um and when we signed that record deal, we were sitting at Vic's house. With the guy, his name is Ken. I don't remember Ken's last name. He was like, all right, we got to talk about the beat. Who made the beat? And I was like, I did. Who wrote these songs? We all did. He said, no, nah, let's. He said, well, let's go through all these songs. And say, who wrote the hook? Who wrote the verse? 
Who wrote the hook on this? I did. Who wrote the hook on this? I did. Who wrote the hook on this? Oh, they wrote that one. Who wrote the hook on this? I did. Who wrote the hook on this? I did. Who wrote the hook on this? I did. And I wrote his verse. And I wrote part of his verse on this. <laughs> so, he was just like, okay, since you made all the beats, you did damn near all the hooks and you on almost every last one of the songs. He said, your percentage is gonna be more than that. Niggas went ape shit crazy. Nigga like, they didn't understand the business. Nigga said, we the red clay water. Can't say, yep. Y'all are the red clay water. Breaking B said, well, we all need to get paid the same goddamn thing here. How the fuck pimp gonna get more than us? Fuck that shit. We all get the same thing. He said, nah, that ain't how it works, bro. He said, how it works is whoever contributed more, that's who gets the most. They bring me, well, here we all putting money. He said, I ain't talking about money. He said, the way this shit break down is producing and writing. Who wrote that shit? Who wrote the music? Who wrote the lyrics? That man wrote 100% of all the melodies for every single song y'all have. Bro, don't mean to interrupt you, but for the listeners out there, pay attention to this shit. This is very important. So when people think about writing, they always think about lyrics. But a band don't play fucking lyrics. They play the melody. That's sheet music. That's actually written notes. So if you're a producer, you're still a fucking writer because you wrote half the song before anybody even got on the song. You feel me? Most of the time, hell, that that boy makes the shit go. So, so man, like once they heard I was gonna get more than what they were gonna get, then that shit started. It started going crazy, bro. And then like, like I said, me and Breaking B actually had got another record deal as victims of society to a uh, label named Mirror Image Records, and Lil John and the Eastside Boy was our label mate. Cool Ace was our label mate. You see what I'm saying? So when MC Breed and all them mm-hmm. niggas used to come through, they used to come through and fuck with the same niggas we were label mates to. So we used to do show with John. When they had that who you with, get crawl who you with, me and Breaker B was actually, and Breaker B went to jail. So when Breaker B went to jail, Carlos used to use me to produce for niggas. And then it just got to a point where he was just like, bro, you just need to do your solo shit. Yo, I never wanted to be a solo artist. When you say Carlos, who? Carlos Glover is the owner of Mirror Image Records, who okay. you know signed uh, Lil John to his first first. Uh, yeah. Okay, that, that was the first thing. That was that single you just like. Who you with? Yeah, who you that, with? Yeah. Yeah, 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 all of that was on the Mirror Image Records. We actually did a uh, we we had a soundtrack that we were on called Really Really Pimping in the South, which was actually a documentary on pimping in Atlanta. Oh, so a lot of the pimps <laughs> that was in Atlanta. I knew them niggas yeah. <laughs> too because they used to come through and fuck oh, with us okay, in the studio. Yeah, yeah. So, man, this shit get deep, dog. Some shit I just ain't going to be able to say on goddamn. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm saying? But. Some shit ain't going to be said. Yeah, but. but, but uh, it's like, for the it, pimps it up, hold down. Yeah, yeah, version. Yeah. <laughs> shit, shit, man. Like, I, I, at 18 years old, I was introduced to so much shit that I just thought was like fictitious. But I really started to understand what the world really mm-hmm. was about at 18 years old. So. The, the lens 
at what I was able to look through shit in was a whole lot more than the average nigga coming from Griffin, from what we were able to see at 18 years old, just growing up in our neighborhoods and seeing what we were seeing, right? So, like, from from from, from the shows that I was doing, to the hoes that I was around, to the pimps that I was around, to the niggas in the industry that I was around, like, bro, I seen so much shit so fucking fast, it all just fucking seemed like a blur. And... Once that college park shit happened, man, like that shit was over. Speaking of the college park shit, like the time frame between this red clay thing, y'all having this first deal or whatnot, and then moving to, I would say your your biggest deal. What was that time? Bro, it wasn't a lot of time between that shit. So red red clay broke up. I I love red clay. I, I left Red Clay, so I'm not gonna say Red Clay broke up because I don't know what they were doing after I left. So I left Red Clay. I started recording with Mike Penn. Stopped recording with Mike Penn. Started recording by myself. Right. So that's when I started after Red Clay, when I got my own shit. It really started to do the engineering part of shit. Right. So. I did an open mic with Vic. Vic hit me up and asked me about doing an open mic with him up at J-Paul. Oh, <laughs> man. And I didn't want to perform in the open mic. I said, I didn't want to be a host. My reason for that was, one, I was kind of burnt out because of what I had went through with the group shit. Two, it was like, shit, I need to, I need to build relationships with some new niggas. And I had been to open mic before, and I knew when I'm going to open mic, the nigga who be hosting is the center of attention. Everybody think the nigga who hosting is the one who make the decision, and it ain't the nigga that make. He just got damn host. But I knew that, so I'm thinking everybody that shit. know that nigga too. So when I went in and I was hosting, we built that shit up, and I waited until we got that bit slam fucking pack. And we were doing a freestyle session. Two niggas were going at it. And I said, y'all niggas gonna make me goddamn do it tonight. So I'm acting stupid. And I got up there and did that JJ fan. Something like, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna sit she got them bald out, started laughing. And I said, no, nigga, I'm for real, man. So I'm finna got them do it tonight. Y'all nigga gonna make me rap tonight. So I had Give Me a Break, a uh, song that I had wrote, Give Me a Break. Give Me a Break, I wrote that song because that was my last song that I was gonna ever do. That was gonna be it. That was gonna be it. You produced this track. I produced the track. Okay. I recorded it and I mixed it, everything, myself. Everything. I sent it to Vic. I said, hey, bro, look. I just sent you a song called Give Me a Break, man. I said, it's going to be the last song I do. Vic was like, all right, Jay, man. What the fuck up, man? All right, I get you. Shit, about four, five hours later, that nigga Vic hit me back. Say, hey, bro, hell no. This the one. This the one right here. But at that point, I'm depleted. So I'm just like, shit, whatever, man. So I sat on the song. Goldfinger, love, DJ Goldfinger. Goldfinger, love the song. So Goldfinger used to DJ for us at J-Paul when we did the open mic. So I said, Goldfinger, drop that bit for me. He said, song. I said, hell yeah, drop the song. 
He looked, he looked that shit. He dropped that motherfucker dog. I did give me a break. Nigga went crazy in that bitch. Nigga said, damn, bro. I ain't know you could rap, nigga. <laughs> I like, yeah, yeah, who made that beat? I said, I did. Nigga, you been making beats and been rapping all this time? So it's probably about a year. About a year of doing an open mic and building my fan base in Clay County, building my my name around those who was moving and grooving deep south and all them niggas who was, you know, deep south, you know what I'm saying, who were moving and grooving like my cousin Rooster. Is a, a is an original added crew member. So big floated, pretty keen, you know, young blood. Like I was around them niggas. Uh, Jazzy Faye was 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 producing at noontime at the time. So like I I knew of them niggas through my cousin Rooster. They all just knew me and Rooster little cousin. Like I didn't have identity. Them niggas didn't even know I could rap back then, right? Yeah. So, but I was the homeboy. So that's where that name came from. So niggas was just like, hold on, right now we got them bus. Yeah, that little homeboy right now, that little nigga, that little, little homeboy right now. So, little homeboy, little homeboy, homeboy, homeboy. That shit popped in my one night. I said, shit, I'm gonna name myself homeboy. So every time motherfucker say that name homeboy, they gonna have a face with that shit now. Yeah, okay. So, you have the face. So, yeah, that's that's where the whole name of homeboy come from. Cause I was going by Psychopathic Pimp, JD, and all kind of crazy <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> back then, all that, that, that time back, back to the name. Yeah, yeah. I'm dead. Exactly. Whole, like, got a whole book title. Bro, them niggas were dead they with the names, bro. bro. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, man. So, it, it, realistically, it was probably about a year after Red Clay had uh, broke up, and then. Like we actually had a deal on the table from that song, Give Me a Break with uh, Malachi, 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 Malachi Records. And uh, Vic let Carl Washington, who's uh, the attorney for College Park Music here. And you know, that shit just kind of snowballed. And so what ended up happening, I ended up doing the Stand Up and Get Crunk song. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. You can't, you can't what you, can't, that? you can't gloss up and go into stand up. No, no, no. I'm just stopping. I'm like, oh, hold on. You can't do that. No, <laughs> go ahead. No. I want to get right there. Right there. I want to get right there in that point of signing with Kylie Paul, DJ Smurf or something. Real. Yeah. When did he change it? Did he change his name to Mr. Kylie Paul? Like, no. around that time. What you see was, on that thing, his name was Mr. Beatin' Ass. Yep. <laughs> Paul, 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 like and, then, and then from beating ass, he changed <laughs> to Collie, Mr. Collie Paul. Okay, see, I had no idea to beating ass, <laughs> but I mean, you see it, right? I see that. And I would have never named myself that, but I had Michael beating ass. <laughs> Paul's a pun. Paul, we gonna Paul. And you see it right now, though, right? Somebody get that shit on camera because oh. that, somebody gonna think I'm trying to roast him. And I'm not. No, he, that he, shit is right there. He's one of the producer. <laughs> Mr. Beaten Ass. If he had that name today, oh my God. that shit would be horrible. Oh, why y'all let me see shit? It was like horrible this. then. Mr. That was a horrible name. So he dropped the beat ass. I did not know that. And I always kept, thought it was DJ oh. Smurf. Or well, no, he, he, so the reason why he went away from DJ Smurf, if I'm, if I'm, if, and if I'm getting this wrong, I apologize, Smurf. But from what I understood, I think he got sued. Michael. You oh. know, when they did Whistle While You Twerk. Uh, and then the whole DJ Smurf, the Hell of yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, Smurf shit. So I, I, I didn't think. It's a, you know, for yeah. a, a bunch of, like us, 
we remember that name, DJ Smurf. Yeah, so we, we I mean, but everybody who knows him still call him Smurf. Like we don't really yeah. call him Mr. Collie Paul. We call him Smurf. But I'm just like, him, you know? change the name. But once once you got with uh, Collie Paul, right? Yeah. That transition from we talked about being in a group, which I know me and JBs we identify like what y'all did with Red Clay, right? And then with you went on to start doing as a solo artist, that inspired that. Some of the shit that inspired us, cause we took like some of those same routes y'all took. You yeah. feel me? Like going, y'all, y'all kind of gave a blueprint. Yeah, we took like that blueprint. We like, okay, they went here. We gonna do it like this. But so going from that, and then getting this offer from from Kylie Paul, who I think when he went came and uh, signed you, right? Yin Yang was already yeah, Yin Yang doing their thing. So they were established on a major level too. Like they were nationwide by that point. It wasn't no more just regional Atlanta shit, right? Not at that point. They had them grown like. But was it to the point where they, they had they wasn't them? As, they wasn't as big. They had they had not reached their. They, they had that boom. It's on. Okay. So they, yeah, they yeah. That shit. So I mean, they they were they, 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 they were bubbling like yeah. hell. So bitch, what's that? What's up? <laughs> so when you get to Colin Paul at that time. How was it? What was what was going on with you? Like, did did it sink in yet? That, okay, because you were just about to give it up. So did it sink in then to be like, okay, Man, this I'm, I'm shit here. is happening? No, so stand up and get crunk started that. Okay, hold on, hold on. What you get into? No, because I, because crunk. I was I, no, no. because I didn't I didn't you, sign until after that. You right. You're right. So but, I gotta, I but gotta get, yeah. for the people, Stand Up and Get Crunk is one of the largest songs that's being Indeed. played at multiple entertainment venues, sporting venues. Facts. So when you hear that Stand Up and Get Crunk, you always hear that. Know that that, that is the Yin Yang Twins and Home. That's, that's Coach ahead, Prime's bro. theme music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what happened was I got a call from Vic one day while I was at work. And he said, hey, man, what you doing when you get off work today? I'm like, man, what's up? I need for you to come to, to the store, man. Uh, we got to go and record a song with the Yin Yang Twin. Okay. I said, okay. So I'm like, shit, all day long, I got the goddamn booty shake club <laughs> song in yeah, my head. Yeah. I already got That's shit. That's what they were doing at the time. Like, though. shit, bro, I already had goddamn punt lines and shit. I already got down. I get to the I get I get to the car with Vic. We were heading up to the zone, Billy Hume's uh studio. Shout out to Billy Hume. Um and I hear I was like, man, what the fuck is this? I said, hey bro, this ain't gonna be the game twin song. Vic said, nigga did what he gave me. I just need you to do what you do. <laughs> and I said, well, shit, I'm, I'm like, no thanks. I said, bro, what do you want to talk about? He was like, shit, I don't know, man. Like, it, it's some band shit, you know. Maybe, you know, let, you try to do something like, you know, some, some, some sports type shit. Okay. So, literally, from, I think Billy's studio was, I want to say, I think that shit was in something like Swanee or Duluth or some shit. Right up there. Yes, it was up there. So we had to go from Riverdale to North Atlanta, basically, right? So I wrote my verse in the car on the way to the studio. And I've always been a one-take king, bro. So 
I get, get down, smurf down. He was like, hey man, let me hear what you got. He said, he said you, you need time to write? I'm like, nah, I, I wrote on the way up. He said, let me hear what you got. I just want, I just want to record it, bro. He said, man, let me hear what you got. So I want to record it, man, trust me. I said, trust me. I said, if, it, if, if it's trash, I'll redo it. He said, all right. So I went in the booth, one take. Here, stepped out. I said, hey man, you want me to add some more stacks? He was like, nah. Damn! He said, give me a minute, man. Play it back, Joel. So shout out to Joel Mullis. Uh, Joel was um, Billy Hume's engineer. So Joel was, was, was recording the session, and Joel played it back. And I was actually referencing actual sports. Like I was calling out football or basketball. And, and Smurf was like, no, nah, man. He said, the only problem I got with it, he said, I want you to Somehow I know the change in the way it don't seem like you're talking about just one particular sport. So don't name like a, a sport. And I said, okay. I sat back down. Uh, two minutes, I got it. He said, damn, that quick? I said, yeah. He said, let me hear it. I said, man, go on in and knock this shit out. <laughs> so I went in there, knocked this shit out, came back out. I said, man, you think I need to uh, put some more stacks on, on my ad libs on this part, make it sound easy? Yeah, that bitch is perfect. He said, ooh. That nigga came. That nigga came. Gonna hate to hear this shit. You came with it on this shit. He said, "Hey man, give me a." Bit. He said, "Man, look, I want to sign you, bro." He right, said, "Right then." Yeah. In the studio, he said, "I want to sign you, man." He said, what, "What I got to do to sign you, bro?" I said, "Man, I really don't want to sign over the deal, man." I said, "Just came out of bad situation with Carlo Glover and all that shit, man." I said. I, 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 don't, I don't really want to sign no shit. He said, bro, come on, man. What what I got to do? I said, bro, if you put me on TV, have me on the radio, that'll show my mom that I can do it. And if you can do that, i sign. It seemed like maybe a month or two later, got a call from Vic again. I was at work. I was in a manhole. Phone hand wrong, couldn't grab it. Mm-hmm. So once I got out the manhole, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> explain, explain to the people. I was a city <laughs> sewer <laughs> technician. Uh, I was a sewer city, a uh, city sewer <laughs> technician. I don't go say Paul, but I like that nigga. He in a manhole. Yeah, <laughs> cleaning all the goddamn manhole shit everywhere. <laughs> so I get out the manhole, get myself cleaned up. See, I had a missed call from Vic. I was like, "Yo, what up, bro?" He was like, hey, man, shit, bro, I really don't even want to goddamn tell you. I'm like, well, damn, nigga, you don't call me. like, what's up? He said, man, I just don't want to jink this shit, Jane. I'm like, what, Vic? Fuck, what's up? He said, man, do you have any vacation time? I'm like, yeah. He said, we might have to goddamn take a flight to California uh, in two more weeks. I said, okay. So what we going to California for? Shit, man, I really don't want to say, man, because I don't want yeah. I was like, what the fuck, man? Nigga, we're going to have to do Soul Train. What? I said, what? <laughs> he said, man, yeah, man. I said, what we doing Soul Train with? The Yin Yang Twins. I said, the band song? <laughs> he said, yeah. I said, shit, all right. I said, just let me know. So I put my time in. I flew out to Cali with my first time meeting D-Rock and Kane. And when I did Soul Train. That was your first moment yeah. meeting them. Yeah, yeah so... On the stage. Nah, so, so the stage. when we got to the airport uh-huh. and the chauffeur picked us up, Kane was with the chauffeur. 
So Kane was just like, nigga, I don't hurt you, Sean. Mike, called him, he called Smurf Mike. He said, Mike, don't let me hear your shit, boy. Yeah, nigga, you a rapping motherfucker, boy. He said, I want to see what they show look like, and you got them make them look bad, nigga. <laughs> And so you know what I'm saying? So so all real, I already had that like like yeah, that yeah, love yeah. and camaraderie for Kane, cause that nigga came at me like a nigga, right? You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm like, shit, alright, shit, I'm up for it, nigga. Get what I do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> nigga, this is what I do. So uh he said, shit, we're gonna have to see it then. So we got we got to uh Soul Train. Don Cornelius has a whole fucking parking lot. That that's gated off. A whole goddamn parking lot. Jeff for Doug Kennedy. You gotta think that he had been doing this shit. Hey, dog, so when one car sitting in that motherfucker. <laughs> and he got a whole parking lot. So we we, we sitting out there, met Shamar Moore, and he was hosting at that time. So I met up with Shamar. D Rock came out. He was like, ah, you know, what's up? You know, he, he really was kind of standoffish for me. So I was just like, maybe he just one kind of nigga that, like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I gotta, I gotta figure this nigga out. So I ain't really take no, ain't take no offense to him and shit. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Got, he ain't got the same personality Kane got, right? So we got out though, and if y'all go back and watch the uh, show, and that nigga D Rock was smiling like a motherfucker, <laughs> you know, before I came out, because I guess he was just like, all right, shit, here we go, the new nigga who we who, who, who part our clique. So we came out. I knocked that shit out, man. Um, I had to learn, you know, like, you know, you lip syncing on on uh, on, on Soul Train, so I had to learn about mic control and shit like that. So I picked it up, did what I needed to do, and shit from there, man. Like, the rest of that shit just was super fast, man. We went from that shit to the Yin Yang Twins, got them uh, having the song "Wait." The wait, you see my whisper, the whisper song, and that shit was so large. We went from doing. Nokia Unwired for MTV2 to goddamn me being headliner a, a, a tour with uh, co-headliner a tour with Mike Jones for Sig Week to goddamn doing Spring Bleed 2005 when he was with me. Jermaine was actually my hype man, so he was out there with me during that time and shit. Don't, don't, don't. No, no, I mean shit. I gotta give, I gotta give credit. I gotta give me credit. So. I mean, like, we, we was some Bro, like, I was goddamn on show with Gucci Mane down in goddamn in, in, Alabama. In, in Alabama and shit. We were going to goddamn Canada. So, like, shit was moving so fucking fast that's, at that time, bro. That's what's, that's what's interesting about your story and your career, though. For you, it started out and it moved at a certain pace. But then, once you hit that point with California, it seemed like. Everything was just like Nigga, that shit was ramping wrong. up, and I want to ask you: at some point, did it feel like it was going too fast, or was you just embracing all of it as it went? Bro, I couldn't embrace that shit like I wanted to because I was still working. So, nigga, we would fly out or either drive to fucking South Carolina or North Carolina, and literally leave. You know, we would leave. <laughs> We would leave that motherfucker. I wouldn't even get a chance to go home to take my bath. Take clothes to work. Take my goddamn clothes <laughs> to work, dog. Shower, take a whole shower at work. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> and goddamn, go and work for, and ain't had but this motherfucking sleep yeah. that I just got in the car off and on. And then, as soon as I got off of work, picked my baby girl up at the time and had all that shit going on with her. Life was still moving on. Life was still. Then eat until after the show. Yeah, man. So I was like, bro, like, this shit was, it was hell. Like, I couldn't take it in. And so, like, 
one of the things I regret is not knowing how to actually live in the moment. Mm. Because I'm a, I'm a worker. I, I set goals and I stay on that goal. Mm -hmm. And my whole focus is tunnel vision until I achieve that shit. And never do I take the time to, to allow life to come in and say, hey nigga, look at what the fuck we yeah. doing. Gotcha. Do you think that's because things are moving so fast? Even though you're, you're tunnel vision, but things are moving fast at the same time. Do you think that's part of why you couldn't live in that moment? Nah, man, I had a multitude of shit going on. So one, I was working a dead-end job with a boss that was out to get me. And you know this shit to be true. Yeah. You know, you, you watch me go through that shit in real time. Um, oh, hey, the weekend before I did Soul Train, I called a nigga in the bed with my baby mama in the apartment that I was paying bills on. Fuck? Niggas didn't know while I was doing Soul Train, I'm thinking about who the fuck is my kid around. So I got that shit in the back of my mind of what the fuck going on because I got whole issues going on. Then I got this fucking job shit going on. Then I got this goddamn industry shit going mm -hmm. on and niggas talking about hits and coming up with this and trying to get them. You got to be here. You got to be there. Mm -hmm. So it was so much shit going on at one time. I couldn't focus on none of that shit, bro. It was literally just like it was a task mm -hmm. to yeah. get done. Okay, I'm working this task for eight hours. I got to do this damn job. Don't let me work overtime. Then if I work overtime, I got to figure this shit out. Then once I get through with this shit, boom, I got to go to my mama house, pick up my little girl, got down, chill out with her, take her to my baby mama house when she get out of goddamn so 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 so. Then, shit, got to try to bathe up real quick. Got down, now me and Vic, we got to meet up because we got to go yeah. do this show over here. We got to be at this particular event or we got to be at this radio station or we got to go to the studio. Or we got So it was always, it was like, if it, if it was time in the day, that shit was full mm -hmm. for me. And a lot of times, that shit meant not getting no sleep. So a lot of days, bro, your boy went 24 hours easy yeah. without getting any fucking sleep. Like I was literally... Moving, you know, so just, it, just just going. That's why I ask him all the time. How in the hell do you find the time to do the shit that yeah. you do? Like you have always, since I have known you, you have always been shaking and moving. But you you pull off the unthinkable, the shit that most people would look and be like, "I'm fucking tired. I can't do this shit. I do it tomorrow." You be fucking tired and you still get the shit done. In the day, discipline. And when what, you say you gonna get shit. What I wanted to say, well, what I wanted to ask is, is it fair to say that you didn't get to to fully enjoy the success you were yeah, seeing? Absolutely, music? that's fair. It's, it's wholeheartedly fair. But I can say this too: I've seen enough of the industry to know that having a full career in it wasn't for me as gotcha. a as a mainstream artist. Yeah. Now. Possibly as a producer, maybe, uh, you know, voiceover actor or some shit like that, possibly. But but as a mainstream artist, hell no, and, bro. And there's some that's something I want to touch on the back half of the interview as we go into because we, we coming out of you, you dealt with the whole Kylie Paul situation, and, and we get how stressful it is. But I want to get into all right, this back half where you are independent. And you put out your own work. You know what I'm saying? Go, what, what you got? 
the ending of that whole collar part thing to get to the independence. Yeah, no, I'm just sitting the okay, for the Hey man, don't be confused. <laughs> nah, man, like, that's, that's, a, that's a key part, David. That's a key part. <laughs> I studied this shit. I got anyway. Okay. But nah, but but and we because we gonna go into that bad half because I want to get into how to tame an elephant and all of that. But yeah. like he said, the the ending let, let end wrap up the ending of, of the college part era for you because for us being from the city of Griffin, right? When you got that deal. Nigga, we were goddamn. We were, you know what I'm saying? We were hyped because they're like, okay, I didn't know you personally, right? Yeah. But I knew my older brother know you personally. Yeah. My man right here know you personally. So for me, I'm like, nigga, this a win. You know what I'm saying? It's somebody yeah. that I can relate to. They own now. You know what I'm saying? So you getting ready to wrap up your run with Kyler Paul and let's talk about how did that unfold and what happened and are you still on are you on good terms with with Smurf or is it mm. you know what I'm saying still a gray area? Nah, so uh shit, bro. Honestly, I feel like a lot of that shit was over when we before we even got down signed the ink. You know, just certain pieces wasn't in place. Like um if you pimping Back then, and I'm, you know, and I thought me and Smurf talk, have talked about this. Um, one thing the music industry taught me was this. I didn't have nobody to teach me this. Point blank. I knew how to copyright songs. I knew what that shit meant. I knew how to mix and master. I knew you need to have an attorney. I knew you need to have a manager. That's the shit I knew, right? We had the yellow page. We had a group. <clears throat> so, trying to find a entertainment lawyer was like literally impossible at that time. And so, what I know now that I didn't know then was Carl Washington, who is the attorney for Mr. Collie Paul, actually found it. My attorney. <clears throat> the attorney for Collie Paul Music, Carl Washington, found it. My attorney, who was Joe Arrington, who was representing me. He told Vic, hey man, I have an attorney for y'all. I thought all this time Vic had actually went out and found our attorney. Had I known the label <laughs> found it, the attorney, I would be like, man, I don't know who his buddy no. is, but shit, I can't rock with him. And you know, it no offense to him, but shit, right. they're too close to them. How I think. But needless to say, I never knew that until probably about a couple years ago now. Right? So we signed that deal in 2004. So it was doomed to fail. Right. So what started to happen, kind of speed through it a little bit, because it's a lot of pieces to it, but I, I get on the major pieces. So we had John Platt, who Jay-Z knows, who everybody fucking knows. Big John is what we know. He was the, I think, president of EMI. He had signed Gorilla Black. That shit flopped. Big John flew, flew down here, came to Griffin, with Smurf, sat in my house, listened to every fucking record I had. And that nigga kept asking me, who produced that? 
Me? Who recorded? Hey, where you recording? Over up my cloud. I said, yeah. Well, who mixed it? I said, me? That nigga said, I'm gonna make you bigger than anybody you ever know. That nigga flew back. Bro, call me one day and said, bro, we got a million dollar deal. I'm like, shit, let's go. We signed. Send it back. Shit sat in limbo. What his signature? They were going through a transition. Jermaine Dupree was coming in. He was taking over where John was. So, during the time of shopping for deals, I had like a bid war going on with me. We had went to Def Jam with Celine. One of Vic, he, I think Salim is like president of 300 Entertainment yeah, or something. Yeah. So Salim was over at Def Jam at that time. And uh, he wanted me, but they were talking the least amount of money. We had went to Sony to fuck with KP, Kawan Prey. Mm -hmm. And Kawan was like, hey man, look, I got this dude T.I. He said, tilt is the priority. He said, sooner we push tilt, I'll make your dude the priority. But until then, I got tilt priority. So if y'all can just wait yeah, just, yeah. Just, just a couple more months, I make it the priority. Smurf didn't want to wait. But KP was talking the the second amount of money, right? Yeah, he got better with that with that one. TVT, because I was on the song with oh, okay. Yin Yang with Stand Up and Get Crunk. We had to take a meeting with them because otherwise they were gonna let me get on the album. So they thought I was going to sign to him, but once the shit done, it is what it is, right? Yeah. So took a deal, you know, took a uh, meeting with them. So we got all these labels trying to sign Homeboy, right? Yeah. I had a, a, a T-Mobile sidekick. What? Oh, my shit. I said, I'm going to Google Homeboy because Google was out there. I Google Homeboy, I seen something. Mr. Collar Paul, uh, Homeboy, Mr. Collar Paul's protege signs uh, a solemn warner. I said, let me click this shit. So I'm looking, I'm reading. Homeboy, James, doesn't matter, you know. Uh, now, Mr. Collar Paul, he, Mr. Collar Paul's protege, along with the Cadillac boys, signed a deal with a solemn warner. I said, we signed to a silent? <laughs> <laughs> so immediately, you didn't know. Ain't nobody told you shit. I called Vic. Now, one one good one big detail I forgot to leave out. Vic and Mr. Collar Paul's brother formed a management company together. Okay. Vic, Mr. Collar Paul's brother. Formed a, a management yeah. company together, and I was supposed to be the artist that Mr. Collar Paul brother <laughs> and Vic were managing together. And I was like, no. And bro. they found the attorney is way. And, okay, and with the time. Uh, right. <laughs> so so I had to throw that in because it's, it's, it's important that, detail yeah. for you know. So I called Vic. I said, hey, bro. I said, man, why you ain't tell me we signed with a sound? He said, Jane, what the fuck you talking about? 
I said, nigga, I'm signed to asylum. He said, man, what the fuck are you talking about? I said, man, look. I said, what's your email address? Cause we couldn't send shit then. I said, I'm gonna send. I'm gonna email you this article. I said, matter of fact, Jeff, right now, while me and you on the phone, Google homeboy and see what come up. You're going to see something from Billboard saying, homeboy, Mr. Collipard, protege sign, blah, 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 right? Big said, you bullshit. I said, man, do what I'm asking you to do. He said, hold on. Let me ring these folks up. He ring them up. He had his own record Yeah. So, he, uh, he, he, he said, hey, man, let me call you back. So she, I'm waiting on me to call. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm gonna call Smurf. So I call Smurf. I'm like, hey, Smurf, what's up, bro? Oh, boy. What's up, boy? I said, hey, man. I said, we sound with a sound? He said, oh, oh, yeah, 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 man. Let me hit you right back. I said, okay. So the whole work day don't went by. I ain't heard from B. I ain't heard from Smurf. I'm on my way home. I said, hey, V, what's up, bro? Yeah, man. I said, we signed to a song? Yeah, yeah, man. I'm like, well, damn, dog, why you tell me? I said, did, did you know? Did you go with him? I said, what? He's like, no, nah, man. I said, well, what the fuck? He said, man, dear, Mr. Collipard, bro, dear, it's Smurf flew to New York. And them niggas closed the deal. I said, so you don't even know what, what the deal look like? like, nah, nah. What, so, what, so, you, did you sign anything in agreement? Well, I was signed to Collie Park. Collie Park. So, Collie Park signed a, a, a joint venture with Asylum Warner that they automatically put me no, up on it. I'm talking about with uh, his brother. No. No agreement whatsoever. So, how was his brother able to broker a few? Because Vic and his brother signed something to go. I signed something with Vic. Like this should have been a way out. You know what I mean? I mean, it sounds like home. it, but like with that, with the way the industry works, or not the way the industry works, but how certain paperwork gets signed and how certain companies get formed. Like if if if, if he my artist, right? I'm his manager, and then me and you form management company together, then boom, you automatically got access to all of my assets. And how that shit happened. That deal happened before anybody else. Yeah, but, yeah, but you, you brought, brought that. What's your leverage? Yeah, you brought that. If, I, if I'm coming in a business venture with you, you're not going to let me come in with no with no kind of leverage. So because I was already doing what I was doing, hell, it was leverage. That was the only leverage Vic had. So he was leveraging. I got you. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm like, Derek already had Yin Yang. So if I'm managing Yin Yang, controlling their fate over here with my bro. How can I pull a homeboy? Yeah. Well, we know homeboy and Vic joined at the hill. So we get Vic in and we automatically get homeboy in here too. So now we can control everybody's face. So it's all it's all a conflict of interest. So again, when the breaking point to Smurf was the where they at video? With BG. BG. That was my song. I had three verses. We went back. That's the version I heard. Okay. I heard your three verses. 
Okay. We took my middle verse out, put BG in, he added the you scared. What's your heart before? To the hook. Right? After the deal didn't go through with Big John, and shit saying like it wasn't moving, Smurf basically sold my song to BG. But was I he on Cash Money at that time? Nah, he was, was Chopper City and Coke. In order for that to happen, and Smurf be okay with it, I had to be in the video to give me a look. But the nigga never did ever let me perform with him or anything. Who produced that track? We produced that track. It was a co-production between you and Jabor. Now that Miss Cop Miss came back in. Like he always do on everybody who produced on his label. For him to get his credit, and it'll just say produced by Mr. Collie Paul. His reason for that was saying, well, because it um he because he was going for so much more money, if he said produced by him, we can get more money. He right? using his name as, as yeah. Yeah. Diddy used to do that shit too now. Yeah, but but see what Smurf would do is if I put some drums in there, he wouldn't change up none of the rhythm of the drums. He would just put his drum sounds gotcha. in there to make it so sound like, like his signature credit. sound. So okay, he have gotcha. some credit. So he have some credit yeah. in it, even gotcha. though he really didn't didn't do nothing. Yeah, didn't do anything, right? But it's the game, man. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was. You know, it was what it was. So it was a mixture of a lot of. shit. It was a lot of shit, bro. So that so it was a lot of shit that bubbled up. Um, shit went sideways uh, at that video shoot, and what went sideways was, but the night before the video shoot, Smurf called me and asked me who all I was bringing, and I was like, "Shit!" I, I told some of my homeboys, you know, uh, told my baby mama, my sister. He said they're gonna have to stay home, and I was like, "My baby mama, my sister." He's like, "Yeah," I'm like, "My." The fuck, fuck, bro. He was like, well, look, man, I already know went through this shit with, with the yin yang twin. I don't know what the video gonna be like. Might be some bitches dancing on you or something. I don't want that. And I'm like, I said, I get that. I said, I, I explained that to her. Mm -hmm. I said, if she still feel like she wants to come, cool. When I said that, he said, well, now I'm telling you, she better not show up. So I'm like, shit, nigga, I'm grown. Like <laughs> I'm a grown ass man too. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you can't tell no grown ass man what he better not do. And if some shit do so, he was like, if she show up, we're gonna have a problem. I'm like, shit, nigga, we already got a problem. So by this time, me and this nigga arguing on the phone. I don't even remember how we closed out the call. I just know Vic ended up calling me and was like, damn, Jay, man, see so you be jumping, man. Just let me handle it. I'm like, shit, handle it then, nigga. I'm like, how he gonna tell me, a grown ass man, who he can and he can't <laughs> really <laughs> bring me some shit? Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, me and Vic start having words. So, it got real ugly. So, Pooh and my sister and my baby mama, they all came up together. So, Pooh, know that he didn't even get in. DJ Pooh. So, 
Carl Washington, all them niggas letting all they folks in. <laughs> my baby mama, my sister get there, they stopping them. So because they stopping them, it's a ruckus going on. Yeah. Murder come back in. I told you this shit was gonna happen. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? You need to call your sister and your baby mama down. I'm like, all y'all niggas had to do it. You let everybody else fucking in. You see them too, and you deliberately don't let them in. What the fuck you think gonna happen when you? If you every time they see and they see you letting everybody in, it's gonna be a problem every time. Right. So I'm like, if you coming with 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 tension. How the fuck you think you're not gonna get tension? Out of tension. So after that shit, me and his relationship just that would never the same. That, that was the breaking point of the relationship. Really for me, man. Because the deal didn't go through. And I'm like, damn, bro. Like, we didn't go to KP because you had told all the rest of the labels that we were shopping with that we already signed a deal. How the fuck you gonna do that before we get a check? You don't let your right hand know what your left hand doing. I I said that to him verbatim. And because I said that, we started having... Well, it, it sounded like he was looking out for self. He was looking out, you know what I'm saying? That's what it sounded well, like. Hold, let me ask you this. In business, who are you supposed to be looking out for? You're looking out for yourself. Problem was, I didn't have the correct people around me to look out for homeboy because I never should have had those conversations with Smurf. Right. Those conversations Vic should have been having with Smurf. Should have been our management. But my management can't have those relationship, can't have that conversation with Smurf when they trying to be friends. My management can't have those conversations when they already locked in a business venture with the big with, with the man, bro. So who who's left to really just speak up? And, you know. I always used to get from Vic, Jane, you gotta know which battles to pick and choose. I'm like, but nigga, you ain't fighting no. all. I'm just gonna say the artist really ain't. Is the artist not supposed to fight in that? The, the artist right? should not be communicating with the exec on anything from a personal standpoint. Right. Feelings. Especially anything. That's what your manager is. Yeah. From, even from a business standpoint, your manager conduct your business. When you see the exec as an artist, all that shit need to be here. Hey, man, look. Yeah, keep doing yeah, that hey, shit. Thank you for that check. Hey, keep printing. Hey, bro, exactly. <laughs> we finna take this bitch over. That's it. Got them cat money for the damn <laughs> after the 2000. Your agent, <laughs> your agent or your manager conducts the business and come back and tell you as the artist, hey, this is what is what. This yeah. is kind of what was said. And y'all have those arguments or disagreements or whatever it may be, you know. But your manager agent shields you. Yeah, he, 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 he's supposed like to protect you. Exactly. Right. So, I, you know, so like I said, man, like, because of those things and I learned that I wasn't getting money that I was supposed to have been getting and you know that's a whole nother other story man we probably go a whole nother hour that's a whole nother story <laughs> um, right now but like all of that shit compounded together basically I was like man fuck this shit I want off man like you know like that, that shit just wouldn't work and is that how we got to yeah, man, I mean, like, you know, I was already producing. I was already doing my own thing. So it was like, um, you know, once I went solo, in the beginning, going solo after the deal or being independent, let me say, independent. going independent, yeah. a lot of that was driven by anger, 
and I'm going to show you motherfucker something. Mm. So I was just putting out a whole bunch of music. Not necessarily to say I was putting out a lot of quality shit. I was just putting out a whole mm-hmm. bunch of shit. Just to goddamn, I'm going to show these niggas. I'm going to show these niggas. Them niggas ain't worried about me. They doing what they doing. They still making their money. But everything I'm doing still in drips and anger. Oh, I'm going to show them niggas. Big included at that time. You know what I'm saying? More like you got a point. So, it's like, after a while, man, I was like, man, this music shit is just, it's not, it's not worth all the effort and shit. So, I went to college. Got a degree, started moving in tech, and I've been in tech for over a decade, just doing what the fuck I'm doing, and making real good goddamn money, you know, doing it. And I was just like, when COVID hit, so I'm gonna tell you what started, how to tame my illness. That's what I want to get into. When did you get to that point? Cedric Line, Horat. Put a post up about how him and some old folk were gonna put together a documentary about Red Clay Warrior. Why the fuck y'all gonna do that without me? <laughs> that would have been a weird. Why he ain't had no conversation with me about putting out no goddamn documentary about a group that I basically carry? You was there from the start. And, you know, I'm not trying to be arrogant, but just being real, right? So I'm like. Nah, not on my motherfucking watch. If my story gonna get told, I'm gonna tell my fucking story. But I'm not gonna tell it from a biased perspective. I'm gonna bring people in, let them say what the fuck they wanna say. Hey man, ain't stopping you from saying, if you thought I was fucked up, say it. I want people to feel whatever you feel. It ain't, it ain't home with this angel. Nah, nigga, tell, tell them whatever your perspective is. I just want people to form their own opinion of me. Right? So that's when I started getting with folk and, and I bought equipment and stuff and then right before we was getting ready to start shooting, they shut the world down with COVID. And so I would just sit here and my business partner London, he was just like, Big bro, you, you ain't gonna, you ain't gonna uh, do no music, man? I'm like, hell no, I don't want to shoot the goddamn documentary, I don't do no music. So the, the documentary was first? Yeah. Okay. See, I, was, I thought the, I thought you probably made the album first. No. Um, well, you know, the concept of the documentary came far before me talking about doing some music. I was like, man, fuck this music shit. I'm not doing no album. One, I've been producing for myself all my fucking career. I don't want to produce no more for me. I want to just be an artist if I'm going to be something. I don't want to record the shit and mix the shit and all the other draining shit. That I've been having to do for myself for all of my damn career. So fuck the music. No, I don't want to do it. So I told him, I said, no, nah, bro, I ain't doing it. Every time we would talk. Hey, hey, bro. You ain't going to do no music, man. <laughs> I'm like, god damn, man. I was like, man, I don't know, man. He was like, remember the song me and you had together? Won't you just remake the beat? See what we come up with. So, tape man, I had not produced at that time probably over five, six years. Touching keyboard, any goddamn thing. I had just, you know. Couldn't tell. Well, <laughs> um, I came back trying to do shit. Muscle memory wasn't there anymore. 
So I was like, man, fuck this. Like, hell, this giving me even more reason to be like, fuck the music. Because I, <laughs> I hear it in my head, but I can't do what I used to do no more. So I'm like, man, fuck that, man. But then COVID <laughs> just kept on. And I'm like, shit, I ain't got nothing else to do. I done built the whole goddamn basement. <laughs> yeah. So shit, well, put like, it to you. I ain't got nothing else to do but to sit my head down here. Let me see what the fuck I can do. So I started, started getting in the grind, getting in the mood, start coming back to me. But then I said, shit, man, you know what? I still don't want to do it like this. If I do it this time, I want to work with some musicians. Gotcha. So it's a way through Pro Tools that we can collaborate remotely in the same session. Mm -hmm. So we would have a Zoom meet going up and Pro Tools session going. I would send them, you know, the, the foundations of what I was trying to do. And I said, but man, you really play piano. So take what I'm doing and just do do your thing in. So they would take the foundations of what I was doing, add a little bit. Uh, I used to work with a guy, black dude, violinist, that played in Carnegie Hall. And I said, hey man, do you still got people who, you know, were playing, how much would they charge? And, you know, we worked it out. So a lot of the shit y'all hear is actually live music. I played it all in the computer first and sent that shit and then the live musicians came back they over, played. did what the fuck, they oh gave it that extra. You know what I'm saying? So, Mr. Chuck, um, who, who uh, plays bass and runs sound for Alicia Clark, he came in, I said, Mr. Chuck, I need the bass, bro. He came in, he did some stuff. And uh, well, you know what, man? I had met Dice Payne through a mutual partner of ours, and uh, he was like, "Hey, man, my cousin, Day's little machine, like, man, he makes some tight shit, man. I just love your spirit, I love your vibe, man." He said, "I want to hook you and my cousin up." So his cousin produced "Throw a Bag and Believe" on the album. So, so, so when he did what he did, and we we meshed in and we clicked, like it was just like family coming together, man. So after we looked at that shit, I went and sat down with Toop and let Toop hear some of the shit I was doing. That nigga Toop says, "Damn boy," he said, "Nigga, you always have been fine, man." He said, "What you gonna do with it?" I said, "Well, I'm gonna put some shit together." So, man, like. So once we did the documentary, by the time we got halfway through the documentary, the music pieces were done. I was just really going through the mixing and mastering that. It all came together. It all came together. That's dope. It was mixed. That's dope. So like, let me, let me tell the people who listen, go go check out, and you like find it. Is it? It's on. I know it's on Amazon. It's on Tubi. It's on Tubi. That's why I watch it. Go Amazon Tubi. Go check yeah, out well. How to Tame a yeah, How to Tame a Go check out the album. My favorite, I like the songs you mentioned. I like my favorite. Was intro coming in with Big Rude. Yeah. Anytime you hear Big Rude, yeah, you hear his voice and you're like, oh, this is some real shit, right? Bro, you know what I'm saying? So when I played the track and then the band, when the musician sent me back with the live shit and I heard it, I said, man, I don't hear nobody but rules. So I That's called rules. Right I right said, right. hey, he's a, ho- a homeboy. <laughs> I said, what's up, boy? He said, he said, what you got? I said, man, hey, man, I need to know how much you'll charge me to, to, to do your thing, bro. I said, man, this one right here, it's going to be one to one. He was like, shit, bro, just send it. Be just send it. Right. You the homie. Send it, bro. So I sent that shit. 
And when when he sent me a roof back over the phone, I said, man, this that big rule that we heard on Outcast oh, shit. I'm telling you. Like, yeah. So, nigga, <laughs> once I heard that shit and I came, he came through and we, man, like, nigga, I was like. <laughs> like, when I heard it, I was like, oh, shit. I was like, this some. And then your verb kicked in, and then it was over with, and then I was mad at you. I was like, this nigga gonna right. cut the song like, off. like, hold on, man, you cool or something? He's gonna hit you. Well, I was pissed. So, I'm, I'm gonna ask you a question. Because everybody who's heard that said the same thing. I'm gonna ask you this question. What else could I have done? You couldn't have done nothing else. You did enough. You did enough. It just, it just uh, how like, like, you teased me on. Yeah. Like, like to hear it unfold it just, like you did, I was just like, Exactly, but I'm like, but exactly. what else, what else could I have given y'all? That's it. Because I, no, it was honestly, bro, like, nah, that's just it. it like, you perfect. couldn't it's have done thing. more, yeah. but the fact that the listeners, they gonna, it's gonna make them. More the more. fact yeah. that it made me mad mean it was the perfect. <laughs> it was perfect way. <laughs> here's the thing: it's the very first thing you hear, and everybody knows that voice that first come in. Yeah. So he done set the tone, Facts. and you like boom. Okay, they beat them. Oh shit! Man, when that nigga started then rapping, I was like, verse. "Oh yeah!" Right? You like, "Oh shit!" And then you into it, and then that shit go on. You like, "Hold on, motherfucker!" I'll piss. Like, what, what's wrong with my shit? I was getting ready to call you and be like, "Man, call that nigga Jane." Hey, hold on, let my shit go on because it goes into you know, the next hard. song. But oh, you looking yeah. like, but you know, like I come from a a spoiled place. Like I seen all this shit come together. I heard it beforehand. Every song that's on this motherfucker. Hard. And we sit right here in this studio. And I heard song after song after song. You sent me shit before, you know, I even got up here to hear. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't wait to hear this shit in the studio. Yeah. And then hearing this whole shit, I'm like, bro, this shit riding from fucking end to end. And then you constantly ask me, well, what's your favorite? I ain't got no fucking favorite. All of them are my favorite. And, I and I be asking right. that because it's like, people be like, when they ask me, so what's your single? I'm like, well, hell, I, 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 don't, I don't, because I'm looking for the people who listening to this yeah, shit and say, yeah. hey, nigga, I, this, this is my favorite. But here, when all y'all saying, man, the whole goddamn thing is right. <laughs> but, it makes it but this one right here, this one right yeah. here, this one right here, the ones that I'm like, man, that three songs, you yeah. still ain't giving me one. I, it, you know what I'm saying? To me, it's a project that it didn't feel like it needed a single because you can enjoy it. Just listening to it, you know what right. I'm saying? Like every person gonna right. find it's something different those, that they attach to with that. Right. It's one of them projects that no matter which song you choose, it's the right yeah. one. It's the right <laughs> single, like right. With it's just the it's it's the just the decision making. You just gotta choose which one you want to be considered but, the single. But this the thing. I love the tone too. I don't. I don't want to do it. Yeah. I don't want to do music. I feel like it. that. Like. The concert that we throw, that's what I want to do. December the twenty first. We feel to get, we feel to jump into that too. That, that's what I want to do. Like because one, having a twenty seven year old child, I ain't trying to go to the club where she going to. But nigga, what you talking? About? I got a twenty year old. You feel what I'm saying? Like because <laughs> the the youngsters don't vibe how we vibe. Right. So it's like if I can't go somewhere where I can actually bring a live band, then that's the wrong environment for me. And I don't want to do this shit all the time. If I can get a show every other month or maybe once a month, that would probably be perfect for me. Never more, never less. 
I don't want to be goddamn burning the highway up, goddamn mm. gone all the time, and I don't want that shit. That ain't what I want. Nobody got time for that. I don't want that. That's that. Yeah, like, bro, real shit, tech pays real good. So, and, and it takes a whole lot less effort <laughs> yeah. than trying to be yeah. a fucking musician. So I'm like, if I could just keep doing what I'm doing in tech, and every now and then pick up a $3,500 show, $5,000 show here now, shit, dog, I'm, I'm good on that shit. I'm, I'm good. I can do that, come back home, and shit, be with the wife and kids, and, and still enjoy life. And still enjoy life, man. Like, I don't give a fuck about people knowing who the hell I am to the degree to where I can't go to Walmart no more. I don't want that shit, bro. I don't want that shit. You know, people don't think about that until you really sit. Damn. How would it feel your ass going up the streets to the store and you I can't even go in that motherfucker? I would never want to be famous. Bro, when, when, when I did Soul Train. Bro, when I did, when I did Soul Train, at that point, things changed for me in the areas where people really knew me, where mm-hmm. I couldn't do regular folk shit without either signing a whole bunch of fucking autographs of being bombarded with niggas talking about, hey man, hey bro, I need you to holler, I need you to hear my little cousin. My little cousin five. Nigga, I got little cousins that's five too. And I can't do shit for them. Right? So it's like I feel you on that point. I feel you on that point. So when we were when we were doing somebody. When we started doing music, I never wanted to be. I ain't. I, I didn't want to be no artist or nothing. I just did because this nigga him was like, man, we gonna form a group. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you feel? Me? So we had the whole conversation right. on my front porch. We gonna form a group. Yeah. I never wanted that because I I don't like taking pictures. I don't like yeah. I don't like meeting motherfuckers. I'm gonna be real with you. Like yeah. I'm I have a real problem carrying a conversation with somebody unless. I know that person right, personally. Right, right. You feel me? So I'm like, I'm not into all that shit, but you niggas into all that shit. I'm I with wanted, you. I wanted, wanted I wanted the leverage. It wasn't about the fame or the money. That fame shit. I wanted to get scary, money from man. it, but it was more about leveraging. Cause I always knew, like, man, if you had enough eyes on you, whatever it is you wanted to do. You could do it Facts. because the people are now paying attention and watching, and as they watching, you got the attention. You can do whatever you want. I'm gonna be do. honest with you. Bob, whole time Bob. we were making music, I was just thinking, boy, I so hope one of the other niggas pop off. I do not <laughs> want to be. Bro, I'm gonna be honest with you. Knowing what I know now, there is no such thing as having that leverage without the fame. Mm. You, you you gotta have certain a certain level of fame to have leverage. Now I was just talking to my wife, and I was telling her I said because we were talking about some little kids in her school. She was like she gave a little girl a coat, and the little girl came back to school without the coat, and she was like, "What happened to your coat?" She was like, "I gave it to my little sister." So she was looking out for a little mm-hmm. sister because she didn't have no coat. So I was like, "Baby, we could just go buy a coat for yeah. the kid." You know what I'm saying? But that's neither here. That mm-hmm. what I was telling her was. I said, that's the real, that's the thing that I struggle with because I don't want this. But what I hunger yeah. to do yeah. outweighs gotcha. my, my 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 you know outlook of not wanting to do this. Yeah. You have to use because this I know tool it's a necessary evil. Tool to, yeah, it's I'm in this, I've done it to a degree. 
in order for me to do what the hell I'm doing, I've got to use this shit. Use what you got to get what you get. Where I'm trying to go, so that way I can go to any. I can go to a Burlington and say, "Hey, yeah, let's partner." Yeah. I want to give away a thousand coats yeah, to the kids in the yeah. school, yep. and they'll do that shit with me then. Exactly. But me coming in there right now, they're exactly. like, "Nigga, who are you again? <laughs> what are you doing? I'm right. really not putting our name on, yeah. on shit right. with you. Right. you." You know what I'm saying? Right. And I, I, I respect the game. Right. So I know you ain't said this, and I'm gonna say it because I'm gonna plug myself. I don't hardly do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, in January, and if you go through look look through Bone Crusher's post, you'll see it. I produced a single for Bone Crusher featuring the legendary Dougie Fresh that's going to be dropping in January and it's going to be featured in Amy Schumer's sitcom on the second season, the second episode. Mm, so, this shit finna get ready to kick off and I'm thinking that through the shit that I'm doing with Bone, through other shit that I got going on with what we're doing, I just feel like next year really going to probably be a year that I can maximize on and potentially get myself to that space where I can start using my celebrity to leverage the shit that we be shit we be talking about and some of the other stuff that you know I just really want to do for the for the greater good. Yeah. Hey, I feel like that's that to me. I feel like that's the purpose of success. Well, that should be the purpose of success to put you in a, in, a, in a situation to where you can use your celebrity to do the greater good. Everybody don't see it. Oh, bro, I never everybody, look. everybody don't see it that way. Everybody I gotta go with it. I, I never look at myself as a celebrity. I don't call bro and I say, bro, you think I'm a celebrity? Like, well, yeah. So I had a conversation with Tate James, one of the Cadillac boys. And me and Moss B had had some conversation. That nigga like, nigga, you a celebrity, boy. We all got damn celebrities. Like, man, no fucking celebrities and niggas. He said, how many million that nigga you got in your phone? <laughs> I said, man, I ain't that. I still don't make you a fucking celebrity. He said, well, he said, tell me, uh, one of the niggas you got in your phone, bro. Who all you got in your phone? And I got the name of niggas. He said, he said, nigga, do you know how many niggas are killed? Just to be yeah. able to be Thanks. say that they can they can call any one of them niggas Thanks. that you just name. He said, you are a celebrity, bro. He said, man, he said, I ain't saying you uh famous. He said, but you still a fucking celebrity. And then uh when I talked to Tech Jane, Tech put it in a perspective that I could digest, but I still didn't want to look at myself like that. So he was just like, bro, you're a celebrity. But the difference is, you would prefer to hang out with the average everyday people. He said, so when you hang out with average everyday people and they have that much access to you, they don't appreciate your celebrity because you too easy to get in touch with. He said, but if you start hanging with the niggas that you know, he said, she is. It, it, it opens a different door. It's he said, niggas will look at you totally ass. different just because of all the niggas right. you got access to. He said, but you, he said, I don't know why you won't hang with the niggas you know. I said, come bro, I just don't. You remember yeah. this. And like, you know, I don't never be on no shit. None, <laughs> none of that type of shit. But like, when we did music and we uh was recording at Deep South Studio, T-Rock used to come through there. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of T-Rock, bro. Like, motherfucker, like, cold. 
Hey, you know real, what I'm saying? Hey, real time. I one time he came to me because no, he no, came no, to me. Jermaine was like, that nigga T-Rock. T-Rock, bro. I'm like, what the fuck is this nigga? I don't T-Rock. You don't look at him. And that nigga don't look at him. But when that nigga get on that exactly, I'm just like. Because I always follow the 3-6 and shit. Yeah. I'm like, man, T-Rock, that motherfucker. Like, So then, when, bro, like, you know, I know T-Rock. Bullshit. Like, yeah. Like, look, I got some hit. Let me run some of your shit. Like, what the fuck? Then he played that cold with T Rock on that motherfucker. Like, damn. Huh? Yeah, man. T Rock, my nigga, man. I've been knowing T Rock for a long time, bro. I love that nigga, dog. Him and 4Y, bro. Like, those niggas. Some niggas, man, they. When when I need inspiration, I go to their page because it, it still inspire me that every fucking day I get on that nigga four hour page, he have a new rhyme. Yeah, every day. Like he strive for that. Every time I hear T Rock do his shit on Instagram, <laughs> that nigga get that same level of energy that he yeah. did the first time you heard. I'm like, bro, where does that shit come from? I told both of them niggas, I said, bro, I'll never be as good as y'all niggas as rappers, man. Them niggas like, nah, nigga. Like, T-Rock, nah, bro, you, you, you be goddamn going to say, yeah. I said, bro, I said, yeah, nah, I'll probably be rapping. I said, but niggas, you, what you do? Oh, so who, bro? I said, man, I can't fuck with you on that shit. T-Rock influenced one hour home, boy, that he started trying to rap like T-Rock. <laughs> like, like, once he heard it, he was just like, bro, I never heard yeah, nothing yeah. like that. Like, like, how that shit did? Look, Man, that's why look. I had to ask you like the process. Like, who, who, again, who Nisa says she coming to the to the concert to see T Rock? Shit, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he gonna have a good bit of people out there. Nisa said, "I want to see T Rock. I want to see how he rock that. I want to see it live. No, but, but everything is gonna be live by then. I want to see, live. Live. Wanna see gonna, him do that shit. No matter who you rock with, yeah. I haven't met the person." I have became a fan of him after hearing that shit. And that's uh, Dice Pain. Yeah. Shit, yeah, there's some of the other shit that you play from a rapper standpoint. Cause I heard the same. Yeah, they hear the rapping and shit, knowing that all of that together. Yeah, he'll be here for it to be reckoned with, bro. Yeah, yeah he, he, he hell. So you got people, man, that that celebrity you are to be famous. You could be if you wanted. You definitely a celebrity. I think we just gonna call that nigga a celebrity. He ain't gonna call himself one. He's a celebrity. I just don't like it, man. You gonna like it, baby? Nigga, you a celebrity. <laughs> but I'm telling you, with this album, like, he don't want to do music on that standpoint, and I respect it. And it's been ten years ago, I would have been like, nah, but I, I have to respect it because at the end of the day, like, bro has a family. I got family too, but it's a whole different space. Got to move different too. But you know what, no man, like. I listen to people who be in my. It take me. I, I have to process information, and it's like I've heard him. Shit, bro. You know you got this, man. You do it. I don't want to do this shit. Yeah, bro. But what if you? And then you know I got London in my ear saying certain shit. You know, and it's like, like hey, even with Dice. You know when I talk to Dice, sometimes like hey, man. You know you you, you know so. Tech James is another one. Hey, bro. If you Tech Tech James told me the other day. Hey, man. If you tell me. We finna get on the road and work this song. He said, that bitch in full rotation today. 
Yeah, he's the program director yeah. down at uh, Power. That was up. I know him. Playboy Trey. Playboy Trey. Shine Playboy Trey. Play Spade. Yeah. So I'm just like, I have I have a tribe mm-hmm. that I trust that are in my ear saying stuff to me. And I'm like, okay, if everybody's saying the same thing to me and I'm the only one that's bucking against it, <laughs> I'm not seeing the bigger picture. Yeah. I they they totally see something that I don't see. So let me let me test the waters. I, it, let it, me do it my way though. It's the universe yeah. talking to you. Bro. You know what I'm saying? It's the universe As talking to you. Yeah, so so that so like with the whole concert thing, I'm hoping I make money back from that shit. Because <laughs> I've invested, you know, it's an investment for me. Yeah. But more or less anything is let me see how we can drive people there. And if I'm able to if I can if I can get enough people there to make me feel that. Yeah. <laughs> This is one y'all speak don't want to miss. Speak on it. Right. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Speak like, on it. Speak on it. Like the whole, like, like again, bro, I like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it my way. I want to do it in an environment that is grown because my whole album grown. It is. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And I'm like, I want to do it with a band. If I can't do it with a band, I don't want, I don't want to do no more shows where I'm just popping up with a DJ holding your nuts. With all that being said, I think we can probably say this has been one of the dopest conversations right. we done had on the DSA podcast. Yeah, <laughs> appreciate it, bro. Before we get out of here, <laughs> we got to hit you with five random questions. Oh. Everybody get the five random questions. Just because you a celebrity, don't mean you're getting out of here without hey, the five random questions. Boom. It's just five random questions just to help our listeners get to know a little bit more about Homeboy. Okay. Y'all really, you got you got in I got you know I keep questions on deck, but we gonna we gonna kick this thing off. Um start your five random questions. Uh if you had if you could only listen to one album and one album only, what would it be? How to tame another. Good goddamn <laughs> Crazy. My question for you rapping or producing? Producing. Ooh. Ooh. If there he is, who is the the artist or producer that inspires you the most, dead or alive? Hmm. One. I can only choose who, one. Who would be that top two of you? As far as producers, uh, Stevie Wonder, mm. Dunny Hathaway, Queen. Mm. Rock group Queen. Bicycle. Bicycle. Uh, uh, and as far as who would I like to work with, if I can get in the studio and work with Pharrell, I would love to just sit in that man Pharrell. Pharrell or Pharrell and Chad? I just want to work with Pharrell. Because I feel like when we add too many elements, it takes away from what I've been able to add with Pharrell. I would like to be able to bounce ideas because I, I like Pharrell. Pharrell has a playful spirit like I do. And, and to me, he's very creative. I think me and that dude together could probably do some shit that would be fucking phenomenal. But I would just love to just get in and just lock in with Pharrell for about a week and say, hey, bro, let's just... Nigga, let's just do something. <laughs> and see what the hell we come up with. You got one more question. You got it? I, I got it. All right, last question, man. If you could go back and tell your younger self 
something you learn with with the beat. Learn business. Learn about business first. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, hey man. Bonus question. Big titties, little titties. Little-titties-big-ass-titties-big-ass-titties-big-ass-titties-big-ass-titties-big-ass-titties-big-ass-titties-big-ass-titties-big-ass-titties-big-ass-titties-big-ass-titties-big-ass-titties-big-ass-tit
And that was my first time seeing Jermaine on stage with somebody other than us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I ain't never been able to sit there and be like, we see what this nigga doing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So to see y'all get on that and rock it, and y'all had the crowd going, and it was just something I like. This shit was eye-opening. And I'll tell you, I know you remember, I'm tell you how far long ago it was. That nigga had got the PT Cruiser. Yeah. It was brand yeah, fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. new. It was in 2001. It was brand new. We, we we got in the PT Cruiser. We took off. And I was like, I remember that. I'm going to always remember that night because that's the first time I got to see somebody other than my homeboy that I'm rapping with get up there and just kill it. I'm talking about from the time the song started until they set with over with. I'm talking about they had the crowd moving. Motherfucker was jumping up. And I was like, man, this shit is crazy. I didn't even know them niggas got down like that. But... Yeah. I appreciate it because y'all invited me to come see it, and and that just that that's a memory I'ma have forever, man. So it came full mm-hmm. circle for getting over here doing this whole interview, talking music, talking business with you. Yeah, man. It's a good right. goddamn episode, dog. See, I'm the one that was always behind the scene, one because I was gone. Yeah, but although I was gone, I still heard every. I it think is. I called you bragging to him. I, was, I yeah. called him bragging about it. Like, nigga, I, I was at a show at home, buddy. Yeah, man. I, I had already <laughs> so, yeah. that, and that's another reason why we do see you as a celebrity because the fact that he knew you, mm-hmm. we literally been living next door to each other since he was three and I was two years old. So, like, that's how mm-hmm. our bond started. That's that about, like, how long I've been doing Exactly. It. Like, I was, just telling, him, was just telling him. Like, I was just telling him earlier. Just telling I didn't me. even know y'all two knew each other that long. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm, I'm thinking the meetup started, you know, sometime high no, school. I'm almost, right after high school. Yeah, we're being friends. But then yeah. when I find that out, I'm like, well, damn. Yeah. yeah. Like, we, yeah. Like, we yeah. both, like, we, we all was connected, but we was connected through you. Yeah. Every, you know, every week, and, several times out of the week, we were at their house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then like like I said when when I find out like I said when I find out that y'all knew each other, and then when I find out it was you on that song with the Yin Yang Twins, bro, I I wholeheartedly thought you produced, wrote, yeah, that whole motherfucker. So then when I find out it was you, and you're like, damn, why this nigga know my brother? Yeah, like, I'm 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 like, so to me, you all I've always seen you as. A celebrity type, yeah, and it's just because of your work and yeah. what you've done, yeah. like to me, that that shit speaks volumes. It's dope. Yeah, it's, sure, it's, it's it's for it's for a, a nigga to come from your same hometown, mm-hmm. a small shit. town. That's exactly, small. like that shit is from a small like, town to do big shit, bro. We talking from Griffin, yeah. You grace the stages. Soul Train. <laughs> Nigga, everybody watch Soul Train on Saturday morning. Um, the, the, the thing that I appreciate the most is that you've always been humble. Level. You know what I'm saying? You you you, you never got... Man, but I'm going to be honest with you, dog. Sometimes that's my frustration, too. It's and I'm going to tell you why. Naturally, I am just who I am. I'm just a home yeah. dude. Right? But Jody, being who he is, Get more respect than I do, and I'm like, damn, dog, I don't get it. I don't understand. I, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't take that from him. I think I know. I don't right? understand, but it. I think it's because 
where he is and where I'm at. You don't never see me. Facts. You will you probably run into him. Two different lifestyles. That's yeah. a fact. That's two, a fact. Two, two different lifestyles. Two different lifestyles. Two different environments. Yeah. I think two it's different surroundings. I'm about to say I think it's a relatability thing. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like for what he does, reach. So when it comes to that perspective, even from a social media standpoint, because a lot of things that social is going yeah. So it works for him, right? Uh, I mean, you know, you agree too. Like he's a dope artist. Yeah, he's dope. And I think for from you, like your approach, your music is not from a street level of thing. So it's like your crowd and base is more of like college i yeah. think it has yeah. it has a lot to do with what you just said too though like, it's easier for me to run into jody than to be a home you ain't gonna see me though i ain't i'm i'm guaranteed i'm i'm a bump into jody at least once a week you know and what i'm we saying no you know i'm gonna be there yeah. i know you're gonna be there yeah yeah i think that, that got a lot to do with it too but though. i think if y'all both are in the same room the respect would be I think Across so. Yeah. Because y'all both have done big shit. Especially anybody who knows anything about music. Time, like, yeah. like, if you know anything about music, you're not going to yeah, respect yeah. this one and not that one. You're going to be like, oh, shit. We need to be trying to link these two. You I know look, what I'm saying? I look at everybody that come out of our time, bro, and that has done something successful. Like, bro, we, we defied the art. Yes. Man, you look at that. Man. What it's supposed to do? I always say Griffin is like Little Atlanta. It's a little bit ass city, but the people there have a big city mentality. Mm -hmm. It's oh, like, yeah. man, we we know we bigger than this shit, so we strive to do shit bigger than our time. You you know the one thing I used to always get, and um, people used to tell me like when they find out I was from Griffin, they be like, "You from Griffin?" I'm like, "Yeah." Why do you even think I? Was? They be like, "No, you seem like you from the city." I'm like, "I'm beyond which." If you it's met most motherfuckers from Griffin, you think yeah, they were from yeah. the city. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. it just that's our sweat. That just yeah, we right. ain't like and that's why surrounding city. counties wanted to come to Griffin. I, I was just gonna right. say that why that kind of separated us the, from Jackson, Thomas. You know what I'm saying? But we was country at heart. Yeah, yeah. We're country. Oh, we didn't leave that. Yeah, yeah. Like that, that was made. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that was yeah. made. Us. So yeah. I think yeah, that's bro. what separated us from all the other counties, though. Yeah, but but you. You doing what you doing? I I want I want a younger crowd to to hear the podcast today because they think everything can be a lot. Yeah. They think everything comes so easy, but I wanted them to hear a real artist and what an artist went through yeah. to get to a point where you're now comfortable with where you are. You know mm. what I'm saying? Mm. And I want them to hear that and, and probably take something from today podcast, man, because it's been an awesome conversation to go through your career somewhere yeah. and, and talk about bullet points in here in and out and um yeah yeah this this this, this something that gonna they're gonna touch a lot of people i think because i think it's a lot of artists that that they they relate to your story i know on some points of your story i definitely relate to it you know what i'm saying yeah and so i know it's a lot of artists that will they be they gonna hear it and be like hey uh, I get that part. You know what I'm saying? And it's yeah. going to prevent some mistakes from some, some oh, people yeah. if they listen and pay attention. Yeah, I, hope, I hope so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope so. But, bro, yeah. like, any anything you want to plug, man, and, and that you that you got going on that's coming up, like, you know, we done mentioned 
the how to tame an elephant, but they I think they need to hear from you of where to go and get this thing. Yeah. Um, all this great stuff. Yeah, so definitely how to tame an elephant. You can you can view it on Tubi. Uh you can view it on Amazon Prime. You can view it on Cineverse. Um go to homeboy.com. I got apparel there. You can get t-shirts, you can mm-hmm. get the album. You both hard copies and digital download. Mm. Um, December 21st, we'll be doing a live concert, yeah. holiday celebration. Yeah. Um, you can buy tickets on homeboy.com. That's H-O-M-E-B-W-O-I. Um, How much so, are the tickets? Uh, the tickets are $20, man. You can't even... That's it? $20. Hey, that's... that's $20. That's not that right Look, now. $20, free food, live performance, free, food, free parking, bucks. and a cash bar. Nigga Host, hosted by who? <laughs> hosted by... Yours truly. Cause you cuz. Hello. Why you ain't I ain't even on. I wouldn't even on. I see these face. Oh man, then DJ Pooh on the ones and twos. So you know, one thing I wanna say, anytime DJ Pooh's on the one and twos, I'm on the microphone. Hey man, there's some special guests that gonna be in the building. Oh yeah, man. So we got Dice Payne of D Block gonna be there. We got K Spade. Formula of uh, Red Clay Warriors. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be in the house. We got uh, Four Eyes. Formula mm-hmm. DTP. He gonna be in the house. Mm-hmm. We got uh, T Rock. Formula Hypnotized Pop. Hypnotized uh, Pop is gonna be in the house. Uh, we got um, Alicia Clark gonna be in the house. We got Bloom, who was featured on uh, two of the tracks on my album. Um, she's gonna be there. My big bro, Playboy Trey. Is gonna be there. Uh, King Elway, he's gonna come oh, through. Shim Bagel is coming through. Um, yeah, man. Uh, my cousin Rooster, we gonna be in the building, man. It's gonna be a good it's night. Gonna, it's gonna be it's gonna be a real good night for those that wanna come. I'm telling you, if you don't show up, damn, you gonna miss it. Gonna be hating to hear about it from everybody. That's all gonna I got to say. So you <laughs> you're getting all this plus on huh? twenty bucks. Twenty dollars, man. Can't Twenty dollar dog, come, come, come. What they say? Fuck with your boy. Fuck with you. Fuck with me. You know I got it. Shout out to that boy Drewski, man, with two eyes. He gonna be Drewski. Yeah, new artist Drewski gonna be in the building, man. I can't wait to meet Drewski, man. I think I think it's gonna be good. Uh, yeah. Oh, and watch out January. January for the song Congregation that was produced by me. It's a Bone Crusher song featuring David Fresh. Will be featured in Amy Schumer's sitcom, the second season, the second uh, episode. Um, so, yeah, y'all, you know, I'm doing See, hey, the man, the man yeah, got so. a lot going on. He got documentary album, live show going. Yeah. Hey, I told Your you. host favorite host. Okay. Yeah. Hey, my wife, my wife saw this. You're going to do something. I said, yeah, that nigga be funny. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, y'all, y'all can find me, man, <laughs> at unity <laughs> underscore brands 2020 <laughs> on Instagram. Unity, baby. Hey, as always, man, catch us at dd.s.podcast on Instagram. Uh, check us out, like I said earlier, on all major streaming platforms. 
Oh, check us out on All Major Dream Play. I'm not going to do this. Oh, boy, man. <laughs> but, bro, if they type in DESA, the thumbnail going to pop up. They, yeah, it, it's your picture it? and my picture. All right. The underscore is in there. But uh, check us out on Instagram. Underscore. Check us out on All Major Stream Platform. Subscribe so you get that notification. It's been one of the best episodes we done had, man. I appreciate yes, you, bro. Yes, sir. For doing the, the yeah, podcast. Yeah, appreciate it, bro. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, man, hey, this is the DSA podcast, man. And we, we are, are out with titties. <laughs>